This is Paul. I'm here at Cloud Connect with Randy Bias, the CTO and founder of Cloud Scaling. And we're going to do a podcast on building clouds for service providers. I'm Randy Bias. I'm, again, like you said, my title is CTO and co-founder of Cloud Scaling. Um, got a long history doing infrastructure before cloud scaling. Um, I was at GoGrid where I was the VP of technology strategy. And then before that, I had a startup that was building technology that was competing with RightScale kind of before they were even launched. Uh, late 2006, early 2007, that would allow you to build interior web applications, kind of in that DevOps style, and deploy them on EC2. Um, and uh, then, you know, prior to that, just a long history in infrastructure, building large data centers, 100 to 150,000 square feet across Asia, Asia Pacific, managed security service providers, where I built one of the largest global IPSEC VPNs, um, and then um, internet service providers, where I helped build some of the early internet. And commercial backbone. And, um, you know, now I run cloud scaling and cloud scaling is, um, or at least I help to run one of the executive <laughs> team, um, is we like to think of ourselves as the premier solutions provider for open clouds. Great. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about cloud scaling, if you would. Um, I know you've had some recent announcements. If you want to touch on those, that would be great too. So uh, cloud scaling started off as really a professional services company that was building custom clouds, um, you know, kind of made to order, but with our opinion mixed in due to our background and experience of a lot of the team members come from other pl- other cloud building places like Amazon Web Services and Engineard and eBay and, and some of these other large internet operators or internet um, uh, companies. And um, so we had an opinion and, and we helped get uh, Korea Telecoms and um, public cloud to market first in South Korea. We helped Internap with their OpenStack storage cloud, and we did a number of other carriers and service providers as well. And so we've been transitioning from professional services business over to a solutions business, and that got announced this week where we've got our own kind of software and services combined together into a single solution that helps folks get to market and build a cost-effective, performant, and secure cloud that's designed for next-generation cloud-ready apps. So it's more focused on helping people build their own Amazon Web Services um, rather than helping them with their existing enterprise applications in their data center today. And that's built around OpenStack, the new solution angle? Yeah, our core technology is OpenStack, and then we've added a bunch of components on top of that. So we really think of OpenStack as sort of like a, a kernel, and then we've added kind of the user land operating system around it. We've made some changes and pushbacks to that core kernel. And then we've really tried to bring in kind of all our operational and production experience. So I, it's really important to understand that, you know, it's not just stand up a cloud and then, you know, spin up VMs and you're done. It, it, there's a whole lot to the operational aspects. So you have to have provisioning systems, monitoring, logging. You have to have audit capabilities. You've got to have sort of a whole security framework for how your cloud operators get access to the cloud in a, in a clean way and an audible way. And so we've built all those components really around um, OpenStack, including um, our own set of hardware blueprints um, and uh, sort of like best practices and network architectural models that help people assemble a cloud that is, um, again, more in that Amazon model. Okay, how about billing and payment? Is that something that the hosting providers that are adding cloud services already have and that you would just integrate with that, or how does that work? So we will be adding um, a utilization system that would provide the metrics that you could plug into a billing system, and that'll be later this year. Um, I don't think that that'll be part of our core open cloud, open cloud OS. That'll probably be okay. a commercial add-on. Um, you know, we're a business like anybody else, more of an open core model, um, where we're pushing as much of the technology as we can back into 
um, the um, into the ecosystem, either OpenStack directly if they'll take it, or when they don't, it'll be in our own Open Cloud OS, and that'll be freely accessible as a 100% open source project. And then there will be certain key components that will be commercial components that'll be optional for people to purchase from us, along with support. And you know, if they choose to do that, then we'll you know make sure that their building works. I know you have a lot of great thoughts and opinions on building a service provider cloud. Maybe you could share some of that with us. And I and I think your focus really on scale out applications. You know applications that you would consider cloud ready or cloud native rather than maybe an existing enterprise application that you want to push to the cloud. What's required to build a good service provider cloud? What is happening with the Amazon and Rackspace is just fundamentally different than what's happening kind of with the enterprise public cloud. So if you look at, you know, the enterprise public clouds that are out there like um, Terramark and Savas, which of course were both required, but that sort of, they had that enterprise on-demand private cloud model um, that's really suited for a particular kind of workload and a particular kind of application, and it's not very well suited for more of a cloud-ready kind of application. And so we really draw a pretty big, pretty big distinction between sort of that enterprise cloud and what we call open cloud. And that, that open cloud architectural model is both open from a vendor lock-in point of view, but it's also designed along the lines of facilitating these cloud-ready applications. And we see that Amazon's growth is mostly these cloud-ready applications, and we see that a lot of the business value that people are trying to unlock inside the enterprise are these cloud-ready applications. So we're finding that enterprises and service providers, even if they have an enterprise cloud deployed, are finding a need to have also an open cloud system deployed so that they can capture and support people who are trying to deploy cloud-ready apps. Are there any situations where this open cloud approach doesn't make sense for, for certain type of workloads, certain types of enterprise applications? Yeah, I mean, I think most enterprise applications don't usually belong on open cloud by default. I think, like, if you look at Amazon and how they've done it, they've really got an open cloud style system. It's very scalable. Um, and then they've got a set of features on top of that called virtual private cloud, which facilitate some enterprise applications adopting Amazon Web Services. But the reality is, is if you had a big enterprise application that was you know, running Oracle Rack and was dependent on, you know, scale up, lots of processors, you know, lots of IOPS in a single box. That's just not something that you would probably ever put on Amazon. Most of the things that belong in Amazon are things that are designed to scale out. It's really interesting because you look at some of the success that Netflix has had in teaching us what cloud-ready apps can be, and they've gotten to the point where they've got their whole model for Cassandra where they can scale linearly their throughput. So they can get to over a million writes a second, and they can move from 50 to 100 to 150 to 300 servers and get a completely linear throughput progression on their storage I.O. by just adding more servers. And that's amazing because, I mean, it really shows us that that can be done. And the thing that's special about that isn't that the, the progression is linear, it's that the cost is also linear. Right. And so when you look at a scale-up model, you don't get that. What you get is you get sort of a, a linear progression of cost to a certain point, and then there's a big hockey stick curve. And when you want to get you know, further you know, uh, throughput or performance from, from a single system, you wind up paying you know, 10 or you get this geometrical progression you know, 10 or 100 times more for, the, for that same performance. Do you think for most of these open clouds that you're talking about, do you think there's any room for hardware differentiation within those, or does that just wreck the economics? Does it just make it more expensive for, for nothing gained? So, I mean, I guess this is kind of a two-parter. That the quick thing is that differentiation in infrastructure clouds is, is probably a mistake. I mean, if we look at the stack, 
you know, and you kind of imagine an inverted pyramid of infrastructure, platform, and software as a service, you know, at the bottom you want less differentiation because most of the business value is actually in the applications running on top. And if there's too much differentiation at the bottom layer, then the applications have, you know, designers and app developers have to spend time dealing with the differences in the different infrastructure. They have to deal with the fact that, like, on one cloud they have to talk to an F5 load balancer, on another one it's a Netscaler, and they're completely different. So what we really want is we want the hardware to basically fit within a certain performance profile from one cloud to another, such that when you go from one cloud to another, you're guaranteed that a certain size VM is basically roughly equivalent. Because what we've seen when talking to certain customers is that when they've been running on bare metal or virtual machines inside and different configurations of hardware, and then they compare it to Amazon, there's very there's wildly differing amounts of performance for say a one gig, one core VM. And so what we really need is less differentiation on the hardware because we're putting in this virtualization layer that's abstracting the hardware. So the hardware can be homogenized, standardized, and, and very modular. Um, and then the layer up above is the layer where all the value is, kind of like from the operating system inside the VM on up through the app itself. As new types of hardware come out, or let's, let's take solid state drives, for instance, is that a, a point in time opportunity for differentiation? It's a great question, and I think that the, the, the challenge is, is that, you know, there's no idea like that that you're going to come up with that somebody else isn't going to come up with, right? So there's no way to really differentiate on having SSDs. Now, do I think that SSDs are a valid tactic for doing scale-up on a per-server basis where you're going to create more IOPS for, you know, relative, in a relatively inexpensive way? Yes, absolutely. You could provide a service offering that was very high IO VMs running on top of solid-state drives, and that's clearly, you know, a value. But you won't be the only one who does it, and you, there's no way that you'll be ahead of anybody on that. The only person right now who seems to be doing innovation that can that is differentiating on that basis is really Amazon, and that's because they're so far out in front. The problem is, is that differentiation creates lock-in, and that's what we're seeing with Amazon as well, is that you get on, on the Amazon platform, and you're somewhat locked in. So what we really need is this alternative set of open clouds that can be federated and have very similar baselines. Like you get, like electricity is the same from one wall socket to another. That's what we really want. But just because electricity is the same from one wall socket to the other doesn't mean that the apps that run on it can't be different. They are different. And so I would say that the opportunities for differentiation are not in the lower layers of the stack, but in the higher layers of the stack where you provide services that people can plug into. You know, it might be billing services if you're a carrier, or you know, you might do a strategic alliance if you're a carrier with somebody like a Heroku or a Cloud Foundry to basically put their platform of service on your system. I mean, if you look at how, how does a big business like an AT&T, for example, differentiate, I mean, they differentiated for a while, you know, even though it's very difficult in their in their space, um, by doing a strategic alliance with, with Apple around the iPhone. And so it's more likely as a big cloud provider that you're going to get uh, differentiation around sort of your value chain than you are, you know, around core infrastructure. How about cloud scaling your company um, and, and differentiation? Are there things that you're going to be doing over time to help, uh, you know, go further up the stack, say, you know, into the into the services that are differentiated, or, you know, are you really focused on, you know, getting that core infrastructure right? We're the plumbers of the internet. Yep. I just want to make the infrastructure piece go away for people, so that they can drive the greater value um, on top of the stack. I, I don't. I, I think that that right now that everybody wants to be a plumber because it's very sexy. But the reality is, is that you know, the the plumbing's not really where the value is. We just need to lay the plumbing out 
get it to everybody so that it's ubiquitous, inexpensive, standardized, and homogenous, and then people can build the value on top of that. And we don't we don't have any interest in going up that stack. I'd rather just enable partners to to basically run on top of our system in a standardized way. Great. Well, I really appreciate the clarity of your vision and how you talk about it. And I also really appreciate your time today. So thanks a lot, Randy. Thanks, Paul.